what's going on. Welcome to Mindful Mostly. This is a show for those of us who are mindful about our lives most of the time. We are into wellness. We are into being our best selves, but we're not obsessed with it. Because when you're obsessed with it, you are zero fun to be around. Am I right? And then it just becomes a stress all in itself. So we are all about that mindful mostly kind of balance here. I'm Andrea Collins. On today's show, we are talking about why being mindful of your personal and professional brand is so important in getting what you want these days. President of Brand Editor, Becca Perrin is here. Steve even makes an appearance in this episode as it was recorded at my kitchen island. And I have some really big news. Becca and I will be discussing, though, why we women need to own our expertise and pump our professional skills. Personal and professional branding for your Instagram, LinkedIn, and your dating profile. Yeah, your personal brand on your dating profile could have everything to do with the people you're attracting. We're also going to talk about being a single female entrepreneur and how she got a dick pic on LinkedIn. <laughs> but first, shout out to today's sponsor, Walita, who makes honestly the most incredible natural skincare products with plant and flower source ingredients from fair trade biodynamic farms. And the coolest part is they've been doing all of that since 1921. They're not hopping on the, the trend wagon. And they actually pretty much invented biodynamic farming to do this. They meet Europe's highest natural standards, which is high. They are cruelty-free, without synthetic preservatives, fragrances, phthalates, silicones, parabens, all that other bad stuff. And my current obsessions of their products, have you guys tried skin food from Walita? It literally feeds your skin. Rihanna and all the beauty editors are obsessed with this product. Into the Gloss calls it the Natural La Mer, and that stuff's expensive. Uh, also loving the citrus deodorant, which detoxifies while making me smell like less of a gorilla. And here's the kicker, the 24-hour stretch mark massage oil with sweet almond oil, vitamin E, wheat germ oil, rose, neroli, and why am I using stretch mark oil? Because mamacita is preganita. Oh, yeah. Baby girl. Coming this September. Mm. Yeah. We're pretty excited about it. Steve is so pumped. Sophie the dog, really excited that she's going to soon get to, like, lick sticky hands and eat Cheerios off the floor. <laughs> Who am I kidding? She already gets to do that. And here's the thing. I've kind of been keeping it on the DL. Like I'm over five months and I haven't told anybody except for my inner circle, the people I see on a regular basis, because this has sort of been a transitional period in my life. So 
It sounds bad, but I was sort of hesitant to share the news. I've stepped out on my own career-wise, and I thought, if I come out as pregnant, who's going to want to hire me for work? They'll take a look at my Instagram, or they'll hear that I'm pregnant, and they'll say, oh, no, you know, this is a five-month project. We can't hire her because she's pregnant. Which was really stressing me out for a while, for sure. But then it's got me thinking so much lately about being a woman and being pregnant in your peak career building years. Something that men just don't have to think about. When I go for meetings, I hide my bump. Social media, hiding my bump. But I'm done hiding. Because I realize that in hiding my truth, It's a complete disservice to all of the pregnant working women out there. So I am here, I am in my stretch pants, and I am just as able to work than ever, except I'm growing a goddamn human at the same time. And that's pretty amazing. All right, let's get to our chat with Becca Perrin on personal and professional branding. Rebecca Perrin is in my kitchen. Hi. Oh, wait. <laughs> Becca Perrin is in my kitchen. I just started going by Becca again, and I can get, tell you why. Yeah, tell me why. I mean, it kind of doesn't matter, but I started only going by Rebecca after university because I thought it made me sound more serious for jobs. Yeah. Um, but my whole life, I was Becca, so you can tell you know, which friends know me from pre-university graduation and which ones know me from post. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Ultimately, I'm Becca, so I just started going by it again. You're back. Becca is back. Becca's back. I tried to, at one point in my life, change my name to Andrea. (laughs) I think I know why. Did you grow up watching a hit TV show called (laughs) 90210? Yeah. And I just thought it sounded so much more sophisticated than Andrea. And then um, I started dating a guy, and I was like, this is when the change happens. You can tell that we grew up in small town Canada. (laughs) (laughs) And so I started dating him, and I was like, my name is Andrea. And so he would call me Andrea. And then when he met my friends and he was like, oh, hey, Andrea, they were like, oh, whoa, 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 wait a second. What did you just call her? Because I forgot to mention, I also changed my answering machine to be like, hey, you've reached Andrea. And my friends exclusively left messages making fun of me. I love that. And also, I miss changing my answering machine message. That was hilarious. You know what's funny is now, like, I haven't changed my voicemail message in years, and you forget what it sounds like. Yeah. And there's some friends that I'm just like, dude, change your voicemail message. Well, that, and also, why are you leaving me a voicemail? I know. Just text me. Voicemail is exclusively for moms now. Dads, for me. My dad leaves a lot of voice messages. Yeah. I think my mom does know better, but... um yeah, I, it's funny because actually in Canada, we pay for the service. Like, what are we paying for? Why are we doing that? <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> Is it like $14 on my yeah, phone bill? probably. It's probably $100, like, you know. Most phone bills. <laughs> yeah. yeah, meanwhile, everyone, all of you guys listening in the U.S., your phone bill is probably $14. Yeah, we're, we're mad about yeah, it. Yeah, we're not there. Um, so... Becca's been on the show in the past. She is the president of Brand Editor. It's strategic positioning for professional women. So 
career branding is so important now. And especially like before, we didn't all have online identities that were supposed to represent, like market us in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And there was there wasn't a pages that potential employers could go and look at us about us. But now there certainly are. And there's many. It's yeah. Instagram. It's 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 LinkedIn. It's Facebook. It's it's you name it. So strategic planning when it comes to your brand as a professional woman, whether you're an entrepreneur or you work for somebody or whatever it is, it's, it's so important, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it, I, I think it's really important, especially, um, you know, I think it, it was a bit of a smash up between um, what my skills were and what my passions were when I decided to pivot brand editor from just being like a bit of a generic communications company to being, you know, focused on helping advocate for women who deserve better jobs or maybe promotions, whatever it is. So um, obviously my background's in journalism and writing and um, then my, but my passion is helping women feel very confident in themselves, not out of arrogance, but out of advocating for their skills and their experiences and their credibilities. And um, it's a marketing tool. I mean, resumes are a marketing tool. LinkedIn profiles are a marketing tool. How you speak about, you know, your the things that you know on social platforms like LinkedIn and Instagram, those are marketing tools. Mm -hmm. And no matter what you say about yourself, um, it's going to be it's going to be read by somebody. So mm -hmm. I don't know. It, it Career branding is a more comfortable version of personal branding for me. I think there are a lot of personal branding agencies out there that are doing a very good job, but for some reason it didn't quite sit right for me because I didn't really get why. So what do you mean? Why? Well, I think unless there's a means to an end, um, I just couldn't, I couldn't make logical sense out of pouring all of my resources as an entrepreneur into personal branding because there needs to be a logical reason why you're doing it. Um, so influencers, for example, the general term influencers, they're extremely good at personal branding and mm -hmm. they run businesses out of it. Mm -hmm. For me, that wasn't quite enough for investing my business in. Um, whereas like career branding is a, close cousin of personal branding, but it's for the purpose of getting a new job or it's for the purpose of, um, uh, getting a new client. It's a, it's for the purpose of saying, this is who I am. This is what I know how to do. I would really love for you to either hire me or come to my yoga studio or come to my restaurant or whatever it is that you have as a business. Right. It's really about positioning yourself from a, prof it's, it's your personal brand within a professional context. Right. So, uh, so we should all be mindful of our personal brand. I mean, some people are just like, screw that. I don't care what people think about me online and good and great, and great you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, for a lot of people, they want to be conscious of, of how they're branding themselves, mindful of how they're branding themselves personally and professionally. Yeah. And I do a lot of work for women who are even like in the C-suite. Like I'm, I work with women who are like, you know, what's the C-suite? The C-suite are women, you know, C-H-R-O, C-F-O, C-O-O, C-A-E-O at the top of huge companies, um, and a lot of women feel like they're maybe not getting recognized internally or paid enough or looked over for promotions, whatever that is. And is it because they don't own their role enough? Like they don't own that personal brand enough? Yes. They feel very vulnerable around the idea that maybe they don't do enough to 
put out there or publish their thought leadership. So what it is that they know and, you know, what their perspective on things in their industry are. So, you know, because it can be a little like, I think is uh, maybe you can agree or disagree. The difference between men is, and women would be that women have um, trouble saying, oh, yeah, I'm the goddamn expert in this area where a man would be like, yeah, I'm the, he would have less of a problem. Sure. That. I think most people feel I mean, it depends on who you are, but like women in particular, we're always told to sit down or like make yourself a little bit smaller. And whether or not we're told that overtly, I think conditioning over time. We get very nervous about um, saying, I know what I'm talking about. I'm really smart. I have the education. I have the experience, you know, all of these things. And like I said, I work for women. I write for women who are VPs at huge like commercial real estate companies, for example. And they get shaky hands when they're publishing their first article on LinkedIn about what it's like to be a woman in leadership in their role. Hmm. So it's really about you know, it, our ego, I guess I should say, is the thing that's always telling us to sit down and to make ourselves sound smaller. And particularly as Canadians, it's about being modest all the time, right? It's like, you know, relax. And the problem is, is that actually works against us. So right. I think a lot of women find a lot of comfort in the fact that, you know, I, I do a lot of that work for them. So how can we better, like, what are a couple nuggets? Like, how can we better position ourselves? Let's say it comes to our Instagram bio. And we want it to show a little bit of who we are and what we like to do, our sense of humor, but then also what we can do for someone professionally. Yeah, I think Instagram is an interesting one, and it's definitely my primary mode of marketing. But I would say my number one tip for women is to sort of get over the hurdle of sales psychology um, that tells you you shouldn't ask for sales. Um, women are exceptional salespeople. We are really good listeners. We're amazing communicators. And I think if you were to rewrite your Instagram bio by essentially asking for business and you know telling people what you do, how you can help them, and then saying, do you need you know, help with your podcast, for example, using you, um, do you need help producing a podcast, then that's an ask for business. And I think that's the key for me is like putting women in a state of confidence where they feel comfortable asking for business. It's okay for you to ask for business if you know what you're doing. And that should be included in your Instagram bio? Yeah, absolutely. There should always be a call to action in your Instagram bio. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so call to action, what else? Are there like what are some other should be's? Well, there? there are a lot of very expensive courses around Instagram bios, I'll tell you that, and I've taken them all. Just out of curiosity and you know, I have to admit, of course I feel uncomfortable with it too, but my Instagram bio now says who I am, what I do, specifically how I help people. Right. Um, a couple words about like, I think I say power positioning, which is true. And then I say, do you need a new resume? And that's my call to action. Hmm. So it's like a high level overview, something that sort of differentiates me from other people maybe who do career branding and then a call to action. Like, do you need a new resume? Smart. So yeah. where should we be marketing ourselves these days? It probably depends on your line of business, but I mean, at the highest level, and there, of course, there you can go broader as you grow, but I would say um, Instagram. Instagram. My, my advice to people on my team, like anybody that I work with, is Instagram and email. What if there's a recruiter looking to hire people and they're going through LinkedIn though? Everybody, LinkedIn is, I, I think we talked about this maybe on my, I can't remember if we talked about this on the first time I was on your podcast, but 
Um, LinkedIn is where people decide that they can um, trust you. And Instagram is where people go if they decide that they like you. Hmm. And both of those pieces are very important if somebody's going to hire you for a job, either as an employee or as an entrepreneur. So they want to know that they will actually enjoy the process of working with you, but they will always go to your LinkedIn profile to decide if they can trust you. And so I write LinkedIn summaries. Because then they look at your credit, like your your credentials. They look at your credentials and they look at the effort that you put into your profile. So if you don't really care, you're not really taking, you know, care to polish your profile. But if you have a nice summary and a good profile picture and you've got a good headline and you share articles pretty regularly within, you know, your area of expertise, then it looks like you're super engaged in your job. I um, recently have stepped into the world of entrepreneurship. <laughs> and um, before it just being in radio, I, I never had a LinkedIn because that was not what my industry used. And so now I, I when I started my LinkedIn page, yours was the first one I went to. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to copy everything she's written down or like well, at least use you as inspiration because um, the summary is really important, right? Yeah. And it's an art and a science, unfortunately. So I even have a very hard time writing about myself. So I hope, you know, you also researched other people, but I write other people's LinkedIn profiles because I would say it's almost impossible to write about oneself. It's huh. very, very difficult to write about yourself because, again, the ego gets in the way. So, um, and it's just weird writing about yourself. It's in super third weird. Person. It's like I don't know what I'm good at, and like <laughs> also, what are the rules? But so that's the creative side of it, or like you know, advocating for your strengths in a in a story within your summary. But then there are firm rules around your summary with LinkedIn. Like there's two thousand characters max, which is about three hundred words. And it relies very heavily on keyword seeding with the algorithm. So um, if you're applying for a job, for example, your summary needs to have keywords that are directly aligned with the jobs that you want. Right. Never thought of that. Art and science. Um, Okay. So now, by the way, I want to mention this because I have this written down. Becca is so boss, she gets dick pics on LinkedIn, (laughs) which is true. It is true. I don't know if it's boss or if it was an interesting twist of fate. What kind of keywords did you have to get that? Well, funny enough, I'll tell you a story. You don't don't have to out the person if you don't. I won't out the person, but I'll I'll just give it, you know. We should out him. What are we saying? No, he does. You know what? I'll, okay, well, I'll tell the story briefly and then we can decide if he deserves outing or not. Okay. Um, late Monday night, and I'm talking 1130 at night, I'm doing research. And over the past couple of weeks, I've been looking at this guy's profile because I used to work at the same company as him. And he's a web designer. I'm I was currently not at all happy with my website because I had done it myself. And I'm trying to launch a big digital marketing campaign. And I just was like, you know, if I'm spending all this money driving traffic to my website, I don't feel comfortable with the way that it looks. So I was like, can I afford this guy? Like I was just sort of looking at his profile. Um, then Monday night, 11 o'clock rolls around and he starts chatting with me and he's like, hey, what's up? Like, is there a vibe? And I was like, oh, what? Is there a, a vibe? Line? And I was like, I haven't worked at this company with this guy for four years. It's been four years. And then I was like, I don't know. Is there a vibe? <laughs> and then a couple more like <laughs> casual chats back and forth. But then out of nowhere, he was like, can I ask you an awkward question? And I was like, sure. And here I am naive small town Canada me thinking he's going to ask if he can take me out. Um, well, of course. Yeah. 
That's but what I, I wouldn't anticipate. What, well, okay, so what did he ask you? He asked if I wanted a dick pic. But I don't, whoever wants a dick pic? Oh, that's my, precisely my point. Never, and certainly not 11 o'clock uh, on a Monday on LinkedIn. What would you prefer them at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday? Well, never. <laughs> Abs- first, it's not a good look. I, it's not cute. It's not, and I'm, I was like, I'm 36 years old. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. can you leave me alone? Yeah. So. Well, I'm like, what do you think is so great about your dick? That you like think that it's the first thing I want to see from you. Ultimately, I felt sad for him. I really did. Ultimately, because I think people who offer dick pics, I mean, like I'm no prude, but I just feel within that context, again, 11 Monday LinkedIn, it was like, you must be pretty desperate for connection. Yeah, you must really be needing a connection. And you've really got to work on your mode of connection, dude. Yeah, or you maybe you don't feel attractive to girls, whatever it is. I'm not sure, but like not, it's not a good, it was not good. No. Um, I have one girlfriend who constantly gets dick pics and I've never gotten one. And Re- I, oh. I was like, what do you, like, what do you say that gets the dick, like what, like what are the odds that she keeps getting <laughs> Completely, I have friends that get completely more than off too. of personal branding. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, Maybe it's your personal brand that does not attract the dick. Do picks. you know what I mean? Maybe I think that's another thing. Personal branding needs to be done for dating profiles too. And I'm not talking about her in particular. I'm talking about a lot of people in particular. When I was online. I remember seeing so many guys like taking lame pictures where they're mm-hmm. not smiling and girls do that too. Mm-hmm. No smiles, just like sexy faces. There's always the like picture in the car when like <laughs> the sun's on you, right? And there's the steering and wheel. And they're squinting and they're all like, yeah. yeah, look at me, I'm Luke Perry. I'm like, you're not Luke Perry. Personal branding needs to be worked into dating profiles as well because I do think that that also depends on the type of people that you attract. Well, I think about this a lot and I've thought I could probably turn into like a czar, like the wealthiest person in the world if I made a business out of writing men's dating profiles because I go through them and they all say the same things. I mean, I can pick out a diamond in the rough based on the fact that they don't follow the protocol. So like a lot of guys say must love sarcasm. What is that? Oh, this is interesting because Steve, my husband is actually here. We met online do you remember what your <laughs> Bumble what your Bumble profile caption was? Muscle of sarcasm. I don't know. Is that what it said? No, no. Do here hop on the microphone. I actually don't remember. No, I don't remember, but we can probably pull it up. Steve, this is Steve. Everybody. Hi, everyone. Great to be here. Um, can we pull it up? Uh, I mean, I'd have to download the app, and then I'd have to look it up, and then... We don't want you to do that. Was it cross-country skiing? <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. All right. Pass, pass it back to Becca. Sorry. It's not a good bit. <laughs> yes, but personal branding when it comes to dating profiles, also important. Bye. Um, Bye. I feel like when it comes to... Dating profiles, LinkedIn's, Instagrams, everything you put out there is what you attract, whether it's a good man or a good woman or a good job, you've got to be conscious of it. There's another thing that I wanted to ask you about. You are an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I know that you're also a single woman. Mm-hmm. And one thing that we've talked about a lot is the struggle of being an independent woman, working for herself, paying the bills on her own. It's 
it's a different world than one when you have a spouse who like, if you didn't make enough cash that month in your entrepreneurship, it's okay because mm-hmm. like they're there to catch you that month. Um, but it's a whole nother, a whole, a whole nother thing when you're truly independent. Yeah. It's a whole other thing when you're truly independent. And I also don't come from a wealthy family. So I would say, you know, it's extremely terrifying. And also, you know, it depends on the business that you start, right? Like if I was selling amazing dollar pizza on the corner, Mm. everybody needs dollar pizza on the corner. It's like an essential service. (laughs) Um, That's cash in, cash out. I mean, like that's an easy sell. But when you're writing people's LinkedIn profiles and their resumes and, you know, working on a slight, it's a, it's a slightly different business. I guess I would say, first of all, I do find it very difficult to find content about single solo entrepreneurs uh, for women. And um, it's probably been the most terrifying thing that I hope ever happens in my life. Mm. Because you don't know what's going to happen. But I would also say, you know, it's really uh, the positive spin that I do actually think about this is I've learned how incredible my work ethic is, Mm -hmm. for one. Number two, I've learned that I actually haven't sunk into the ocean and died. (laughs) I have, you know, sustained myself for two years now. Um, Number two, my resilience is great. My confidence is good. People are paying me money to do what I know how to do. And I don't know if I would have gotten that same level of confidence or self-assuredness, you know, in a, in a regular nine to five. There is an image of entrepreneurship, especially that we see on Instagram, that it's all like tra la 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 working from the beach. (laughs) And it's, it's actually hard. It's It's, really hard. It's really hard. And it's, you know, Sometimes I see people and they're like, launch my business. I'm this, this X, Y, Z. And I think, yeah, but you have like a husband with like a crazy job and like, you're okay. And like, whatever you make from your business is like going to help fund your trip to Mexico next winter. Like it, it, your family does not depend on that. So that, I don't know, is this mean girl to say, but I feel like that is a lot of what's on Instagram. Yeah, and I, I, I've I, been personally affected by that in a sense that I it really caused, initially, it caused a lot of like shame for me. Like I felt like a failure, for example, because, you know, I'm not going to Mexico. You know, I haven't gone on a trip in two years because it's been whatever I earn has to go towards my sustaining my living, you know, that type of thing. I still do believe that eventually that will change, but it does take longer than a couple months of saying, hey guys, I opened a business, I'm an entrepreneur. Like in reality, it takes a lot longer to figure out your market positioning, your essential services, your pricing, um, how much you have to pay contractors to help you get the job done, how much you have to spend, um, your, how much time in a week you spend on your most profitable activities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, that's what I, I, I say this all the time. I feel like I've taken like a, an extremely accelerated MBA, mm-hmm. um, just through, you know, trial and error. But I, these because are the you have to be so many things when you work for yourself. Yeah. You have to learn how to be previously, I would say in my employment, I was taking for granted how much time I had 
in like I, I would go to work, but I'm an extremely social person. And I would say I spent most of my time on, you know, socializing with people. Right. Now I actually <laughs> have to deliver on something. So I feel more confident in my abilities to actually, you know, do something good. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, it, you know, I would come home at the end of the day and be like, well, I talked to a lot of people and it was really funny. Right. Whereas now it's kind of like I literally helped a woman feel good about her business idea today or like I helped this person, you know, get their LinkedIn profile in place to apply for a new job. Like I would say that the fulfillment is knowing that I'm actually doing something useful for other people. Um, But in the meantime, it's a much longer process than I anticipated to actually, um, you know. Yeah. What would you say are some of the biggest takeaways that you've learned about being an entrepreneur? I would say, number one, you don't need to have a broad scope business. I say this, you know, as I'm a career coach as well. So um, I talk to my clients about this a lot, that you should have an essential service. So in all businesses, um, you need to have one thing that you do competitively well, that will essentially be your bread and butter every month. So... I have and the thing you really own as an expert, the thing you really own as an expert for me, that's LinkedIn profiles. And I learned early on, I have no idea if I'm going to get huge paying corporate clients, but I know that almost everybody, you know, needs an amazing LinkedIn profile and not everybody's producing those. So that's an essential service for me. I think that you need to have that. Um, Number two, I think that you need to have a bookkeeper Hmm. and an accountant because knowing how how much your time costs and how much, you know, you need to gross every month and what your, you know, your net is after your expenses is really important. I'm not quite there yet. And I'm two years into my business. I still need to really stabilize what my income outcome is. Oh, that's, that's, that's the most stressful part for me. It's hard. It's getting my head around all of that stuff. And I think the, one of the added benefits of having an essential service, one single thing that people buy from you in a volume of sales type of way is that you can begin to predict your income with that. Right. Yeah. Income predictability is a big thing. Getting clients that, uh, so I do a lot of voiceover and last time we were out for dinner, you were like, how many clients can you get on a retainer? Cause then you know how much you're going to be getting from them each month. Yeah. And it's like, let me tell you, Becca's giving me so many nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> Every time after we get together, we've eaten like a lot of good food. And then I also leave with a good nugget. Um, one thing I had, written down for our conversation today was crossroads um crossroads and i'm thinking so many of us are interested in switching our careers over getting into entrepreneurship or maybe you've tried entrepreneurship and then you're like i just want to go back to working for somebody else yeah because that is its own freedom in itself that like Yes, entrepreneurship is a very trendy word right now and it seems very glamorous, but working for somebody else is also pretty sweet because you don't have to worry about any of that other stuff. Including your taxes. Your taxes are figured out for you. (laughs) You know, so what do you tell people when, or what do you think when when it comes to that crossroads? Because I've certainly been there with myself in the past year. I left radio and now I'm full-time podcast consulting and voiceover and um, at first it was scary and I was still keeping my ear to the ground for different jobs and media, but like you, 
we're in an industry or we were in an industry that really shits hit the fan. And so if, if we got back in, it's kind of like, okay, well, when is this going to happen again? So I thought I want to build something up for myself. But now I'm at the moment where I'm like, nope, yep, this is what I want to do. I want to make my own business work for me and say that I did it. Um, but I do, I, I have had back and forth weeks where I am looking at job boards and I am thinking, you know, would it just be easier if I went back to working for somebody else? Mm -hmm. I would, I have that probably 35,000 times a week. <laughs> um, but as you know, I, 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 I feel it all the time, but I think, you know, we worked in the media industry in Canada. Um, it was a sinking ship probably from the day that we started it. You survived a little bit longer than I did. Um, I would say for me at the end of the day when I'm lying in bed by myself thinking and contemplating everything and like what does the future of work look like? What do I bring to the table? What can I do? What am I not currently doing that I should be doing? I ultimately think, Rebecca, if you create something that everybody needs and will always need that's your best insurance against failure mm. so I think going to work for a company sounds amazing because trust me I would get a lot of my life back I would get a lot of time back mm -hmm. um, but nothing is guaranteed and artificial intelligence is coming hard and fast down the road to take a lot of jobs away I just don't know what stability looks like in the future um, I don't think anybody does I think at the end of the day in an unstable or unpredictable economy, you have to do your best to advocate for yourself and build something. It depends on what type of career you have. Like you and I are in creative positions. Um, I think that, you know, I do a lot of writing about this uh, right now. And I think that the most valuable positions in the future will be jobs that we know how to do, which is interpreting information in a way that actually impacts people and like engages people, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, for the most part, a lot of robotics and art, you know, people will be replaced by machines in a lot of ways. Yeah, but, and it, but in so many ways, robots can't take our jobs. And, it, and so it's like safe proofing yourself in that way. Yes, and we also have centuries of proof that humans like podcasts. Right. In a different way. You know, they were listening been to them before Christ. A town crier. <laughs> There's always been a town crier. Yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah, it's true. <laughs> People, will, LinkedIn will evolve into something futuristic. Yes. And like you're, everyone's always going to need a personal brand. Everyone's always going to need news. Everyone's always going to need gossip. Everyone's always going to need... There's always the same players in communities no matter what happens <laughs> uh becca perrin where can people find you instagram but i go by rebecca there still i maybe i should change it it's rebecca perrin or you can obviously connect with me on linkedin or you can see my website brandeditor.co awesome thanks for hanging out in my kitchen oh, i had the best time thank you <laughs> oh boy Dick pics on LinkedIn. Who knew? Right? That's Becca Perrin, formerly known as Rebecca Perrin. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show, Bex. Hey, I have a book giveaway to do. This one is from last week's guest, Neely Fisher. She has a book out. It's called Food You Want for the Life You Crave. If you haven't heard that episode, we talk about how to healthify your life in just a few simple steps. And the book winner is... Caitlin Wohler in Minneapolis. Caitlin, you win that book just for sharing the episode on Instagram. And you know what? We give away stuff like that all the time. 
So join the Instagram fam at Mindful Mostly. And you can also follow along with me too at Andrea Collins FM. Send me a DM anytime. You know, in the next few episodes, we have a lot of goodness on the way, including the importance of a new moon ritual. I can't stress enough how my life has changed since I started doing my specific technique. And so we're going to be talking a little bit more about that. And I'm going to be totally real with you. Things in my life have completely changed over the past three years, I would say. And it's all since I started doing this specific ritual. We're going to be talking about that because the next new moon is June 3rd. Um, Also, in the meantime, go back and check out some of the great episodes we've done here in season three, Decoding Your Signs for the Universe, um, that Huga Life and the Danish Style Files, Your Money Mindset, and How to Be More Mindful of It, plus Getting Them Goals, Feminine versus masculine energy. So, so many great episodes to go back and take a listen to. So in the meantime, check those out. Uh, follow along with the fan on the fam on the gram. And I will talk to you next time, okay? Right here on Mindful Mostly. Mostly.